Teen Challenge. How many of you have heard this story before? To how Teen Challenge started? No, no there's, a, there's a couple over here. I see. Yeah. So Teen Challenge was started by a man called Pastor David Wilkerson, and the story was made famous by the book and the film The Cross and the Switchblade. So one day David Wilkerson was just sat in his study, and he was in a time of prayer, and he felt a leading to pick up this magazine which was next to him copy of the Time magazine and in this magazine as he was flicking through he came across this picture of five young gang boys that are on trial for murder they're on trial for murdering another young boy but something about this picture just captured David Wilkerson and he thought I've got to go and speak to these young boys so he's travelled from his home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and travelled all the way to New York just to try and speak to these young men He's got to New York, he's got to the courthouse, he's gone into the courthouse, and of course he's got thrown out of the courthouse. These young boys, they're on trial for murder. But as he's coming out, there's all these journalists outside, and they said, Pastor, are you ashamed of what you believe? And he said, no. They said, well, hold your Bible up so everyone can see it. And he did just that. He held it up, and they all took a photo of him. So he's walked out of this courtroom thinking he's brought shame upon himself, shame upon his family. But little did he know that this is going to be the gateway that he needed to speak to those that he needed to speak to. Because he was walking around the streets of New York. And at this time, the streets of New York were just riddled with crime, infested with, with gang, teenage gangs, and really had a real serious drug problem too. But as he was walking around the streets, these young gang boys were seeing David Wilkerson. And they were calling out to him, saying, look, that's the pastor that got thrown out of court. The police don't like him either. And this just opened up that conversation. And what he began doing was just going around on street corners. And he began preaching the love of Jesus. Began sharing the love of Christ on street corners. And in one particular crowd... There was a young gang leader by the name of Nicky Cruz. He had never he was he was the leader of the most violent and toughest gang. And he had never known experienced love in his life. See he was brought up in a home full of hate. He was abused. He was brought up in a home full of occult the occultic practices and, and, and abuse through that through, through them rituals too. So he's heard David Wilkerson preaching in the love of Jesus. And he's called out to him. He said, Preacher, if you don't stop preaching, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. David Wilkerson turned back to him and said, If you cut me into a thousand pieces, every piece will turn back to you and tell you that Jesus loves you. That Nicky Cruz didn't know how to handle this. He'd never experienced love in his life. He'd never handled, had a response like this. For the next couple of weeks, this was just stirring within his, within his soul, these words. And a couple of weeks later, David Wilkerson put on an event where he invited all the local gang members into one room. That's pretty crazy, right? And all these rival gang members in one room together... And he done it, he invited all these gang members in. And then he began again sharing 
the love of Jesus. And he gave an opportunity at the end for, for those that were listening to respond to Jesus and, and accept him as their saviour and respond to that call of the message, of which I'll be doing later. But he done this, he done this call and, and Nicky Cruz went forward and he accepted Jesus as his saviour. And because Nicky Cruz went forward, his whole gang followed him. They all laid down their weapons and they picked up their Bibles. It was at this moment really that David Wilkerson recognised that the encounter with Jesus was fantastic and brilliant that these young men had now known, they now know Jesus as their saviour. But what needed to happen now was the process of discipleship. Especially for these young men and the lifestyles that they were living. And it was in, at this moment, in, in 1958, in Brooklyn, New York, that Teen Challenge was started. As I speak to you today, Teen Challenge is in 125 countries and we have 1,400 centres globally. And I just want you to think on that for a moment. All the men and women that have gone through the Teen Challenge programme, that have experienced the love of Jesus and their lives have been changed and transformed. And now if you can think of their family members which have been touched by the love of Jesus and their lives have been changed and transformed. And now the outward work and effect of that still are those in their community which have been touched by the love of Jesus and had their lives transformed and changed. Try and think of that number if you can. But that number is innumerable. Through one man's obedience, how many have received the love of Jesus and had their lives changed and transformed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what I think we'll do now is just invite Alan up just to share how his life has been touched and changed and transformed by the love of Jesus. So if we could give him a bit of encouragement as he comes up. Hallelujah. Hello, church. Um, okay. Um, I was going to go through what my life was like before Teen Challenge. Um, but I always like to open up with a bit of scripture because I feel when you're on your journey, God always puts a scripture on your heart. And the scripture he put on my heart was um, Psalms 103, and it's verses 4 to 5. Um, he redeemed me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth was renewed like the eagles. So that's what he'd done for me when I cried out for him. So a bit about myself. Um, so the 14 challenge, I come from Wales. Um, I'm the eldest of four. So I've got two younger brothers and a sister. Um, growing up, um, our household was quite, quite volatile. I had a uh, violent stepfather um, who was quite violent towards me and my mum, mainly through alcohol. So when I got to about eight years of age, um, my mum divorced him. So that brought a bit of peace uh, into, into the home. Um, so going through school, um, I, I did okay, um, mainly in sport. Um, I enjoyed playing football, so I, I put a lot of my focus into that. 
So, um, but when I got to about 16, I left school, got a normal job, um, had normal friends, um, passed my driving test. But um, I just felt at that age, um, I'd never knew my dad at the time. So I always asked my mum who he was, and she always told me who he was. And she said, when you're old enough, if you want to meet your dad, that's, that's fine. So I got to about 18, and then um, I tracked him down, and I met him for the first time. Um, and I was in awe of this guy. Um, I thought, felt that's, that's what was missing in my life. But when I look back now, that moment when I first met him, even though I looked at what he had and how successful he was, and I thought, this, this is what I want. Um, I felt that's when he probably rejected me, rejected me then. So, but all I wanted to do was to, to please him because he was my dad. So anyway, as I got a little bit older, I, um, I moved to London, um, and then I got into sales. Um, and I became very successful in a very short period of time. Um, and then I then got, um, I had children, I had a house, I had a car. Um, I started making really, really good money. And at that point, I thought I made it. I thought, this is it. This is, the, you know, I've hit, I've hit, I've hit, the, hit the big time. But it wasn't because if anything, that made me more, wanted more and more and more. There was, there was an emptiness in me. So I started drinking quite heavily. Um, and then I started becoming very, very angry, very angry and bitter towards my partner, towards my children. And, um, I just felt they were an obstacle in my way, stopped me trying to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So over a period of time, I started to lose everything. Um, I lost my family. I lost my house. I lost my job. Um, and then after a while, um, our relationship broke down. And then I was drinking more and more heavily, um, partying more, um, just doing the things of the world, um, just trying to find that, you know, something that's going to satisfy me. So um, anyway, I met I met someone else um, a couple of years later, um, who's now my wife. Um, and for a little while, everything was all okay. Everything was great. Um, but then I then started, again, started reverting back to my old ways, just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, and again, I started making people's life misery. Um, my own family, um, I just felt everyone was just, just in my way. Um, and the drink became more and more important. But what I realized at that time is that I was always in control of the drink. But as time went on, then the drink then became controlled of me. So I started drinking stronger things. I started doing, then I started doing drugs. So I started doing cocaine and I started drinking whiskey and, my life was just spiraling out of control. Um, but my my wife now, she started going to church. And um, and when she came out of church, she was always like really happy. And I was quite jealous of why she was always happy. I was thinking, why is she happy going to church? And she'd always say to me, it's Jesus. So I was like, how can Jesus make you happy? I'm like your, your man. So... Anyway, I, so then I thought, okay, so how am I, how am I going to win her back? So I, so I started going to church just to sort of appease her, um, to win her back. And then I promised that, you know, I'll stop drinking. I'll stop doing all the, all, all the things that, that I shouldn't be doing. And, um, anyway, that, that within a little while, she stopped going to church, started, you know, she sort of came back to me. And then after, after a little while, I reverted back to what I was doing before. Um, and then again, that started pushing her away. So 
by this time, I was like literally, um, I'd been, she'd kicked me out. I'd, I started staying with friends. I was sofa surfing. I was virtually homeless. And um, anyway, I heard about um, this, this teen challenge um, at, at a local church. And I was meant to go there along that day. And I decided to have a drink instead. I decided not to go. But then I heard about these guys that had been there and they were sharing testimony and how they'd be, they'd, they'd um, had an encounter with Jesus and their lives had changed and been transformed. So, so that made me be quite inquisitive, thinking, okay, what, what is this about? So this is Jesus again. Um, so I thought, okay. So anyway, I found out, um, I got a telephone number of someone there at the church, rang them up, got me an interview. And um, anyway, I went along there for, the, for my interview, and then I looked at and I looked at the itinerary, like Michael said. I just thought, no, this is too much. I thought, no, I, I don't need this. This is like boot camp. No, I'm a grown man. And um, anyway, so so I said to Donna, I said, uh, no, I don't need this. I promise you, I can change everything. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And she said, okay, well, you know, the, you know, the decision is it's team challenge, or you, you do what you say you're going to do. So again, I was I was okay for a little while, and then about nine months later, it was literally I hit rock bottom. I literally hit rock bottom. I was I was probably worse than what I was before, and I got to the point and I said, you know what? Why do I keep lying? All I'm doing is lying to myself. Why do I keep hurting everybody? So in the end, I said, you know what? I want to do this. So I rang Team Challenge. I said, I really want to come in. I really want to change my life. So up until that point, because um, I wasn't driving at the time because I'd lost most of my driving license through drink driving. This was just craziness I was in. So um, Donna had my had my case. So we drove to Team Challenge. I was very angry. I told her I didn't want to go. I changed my mind, and she's like, "No, no, you're going. That's that's it." So um, so when I got to the gate, um, anyway, I got out of the car. I was really really angry. I said, "I want to go for another drink." She said, "No." So anyway, so she threw my case out of the car, and as she threw my suitcase out of the car, she ran over it. And then literally all my stuff and everything was just all everywhere. So before I had a chance to sort of get my belongings together, she, she'd gone, left me, left me there. So I was like, oh, this is it. So um, anyway, when you go into, when they check you in into your room, they, um, they go through everything. So mine was quite simple because it was, it was everywhere. So, um, so they said to me, uh, so I said, what should I do in my case? Should I just chuck it away? Because they said, no, no. They said, don't. They said, keep that case because... What that'll do, that'll remind you of what you were like when you first came in. So that's why I was, the broken suitcase, because I was a broken man. So as I went for the program, um, don't get me wrong, it was very, very hard, very hard. Um, but what it did teach me was that that night when I, when I got on my knees and I did fully surrender to God, I cried and I said, I really, you know, if you're real, Jesus, I really want you in my life. And I think from that moment, because I asked him into my life, that's when things started changing in me. And when you go for the program, after a first month, you can get visits. Someone can come and see you. So Donna came to see me, and the first thing she said to me, she said, I can see Jesus in you. That was what she said. I can just see that, that, that glow in you. And, um, and I think from then, that was, that was it. I was thinking, wow. And, and, and a lot of it I suffered with was, was anger. But I used to feel that the anger came from the alcohol. But it wasn't. The anger was the deep-rooted that had always been there, which when I look back now, I know it was because of the rejection. And the alcohol, all it used to do was just mask what I was going through. So um, so as I went through the program, um, I completed the program. And then um, then last year, we got married. So um, thank you, Lord. Um, forgive me, a beautiful wife, who I now respect. Um, and since then, I've... 
I've restorations with my families. That's all been amazing. Um, my mum likes talking to me now. She never used to like talking to me before. She used to dread the phone call of what state I was going to be in. But she said it's actually a pleasure. And she actually gave her life to the Lord as well through me. So, again, thank you. Um, but I also work within the ministry as well. There's businesses within the ministry. So, because I come from a sales background, I work for a company called Breaker Yard. But I always said that I never wanted to go back into sales because it just reminded me of the life that I had. So, but God in his, um, in his wisdom put me back in the role that, um, that I started with. And, um, but if anybody asks me now, who do I work for? I said, um, I work for God, but he's placed me here. So that's what God has done in my life. But can I just touch on this quickly, Michael? But six months ago, um, I, I had a heart attack and I had a cardiac arrest. I was actually dead for 10 minutes. I was, I left the gym, got in the car. I was supposed to go and pick my wife up and I had a blackout in the car. Next thing I knew, I woke up three days later in Patworth Hospital. And they said to me that, um, that you uh, had a car accident, you went into a war, your heart stopped, and there was a retired nurse that came up the lane that day. Um, she said she took the wrong turn, but she hadn't, she took the right turn because that, that turn led her to me. And she performed CPR on me, got my heart started again because the paramedics were there in three minutes. So I got airlifted to Patworth Hospital. But what she did say to me, which really struck a chord with me, was that she said that less than one in ten actually make the roadside recovery from a cardiac arrest. But again, you know, God's got a plan for me. And um, But what I've realized is that the closer you get to God, the more the enemy will always come up, come after you. And um, But it's only by God's grace that I'm here today, and I just give him all the glory. So thank you for the time. What an amazing story of the grace of God. This is the transformation that Jesus can make in someone's life. You know, the Bible, well, Jesus himself says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? See, Alan, for many years, was trying to, trying to get, gain all these things, the money, the respect, the, the, the significance, even the respect of his dad. He was trying to earn that. He was trying to earn it through the things of the world. But where did it, where did it leave him? What did it profit him? It just made him more lost and more broken. And it was only when he came into Teen Challenge and met with Jesus that he realized that truly the greatest thing that can profit him is receiving all that Jesus has given him, which is free. He doesn't have to earn it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to earn the love of Jesus. He gives it to you free. Hallelujah.